Yeah. Okay. So, welcome to ex- episode five of the Game Dev Grip podcast. Our first one in real life. Hopefully, there's not too much wind. And I didn't even re- I didn't even ask you what name you wanted to go by in the podcast. So, introduce yourself as that name. Oh, you put me on the spot here. You know, like I guess I'll just have to go with the real thing, Jacob. Okay, Jacob. All right, we got Jacob here. Wrangle. All right. Oh, you didn't, dude. You're doc. You just doxed yourself. <laughs> well, it's all right. You can find me online pretty easy. Uh, my Twitter handle is R Janglos. That's J A. That's R J A N G L O S. Yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes and stuff. So, actually, we're here in real life because, speaking of game dev grit, we've been through some game dev grit together. So, um, why don't you talk about your gritty game dev experiences so far? So many bloody stories. You know, uh, I guess I'll start with one of the first ones I did was for the VR Oculus Jam. It was, I just got the DK1 headset. And a little background, I've been a filmmaker. That's how uh, we met, actually, through our creative artistic friends here in San Jose. Anyways, uh, DK1 Oculus back in 2013, it was like basically the first real project, I was like, I'm going to make something for this game so, jam. Alright, so the first project, 3D and VR, so you really stacked on the difficulty levels. Yeah, but I, see the thing is, it's like, I kind of, I was okay with it because I didn't know where I was going, I didn't know what kind of danger I was in, you know, so ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and so here I am stumbling into game dev, I made like, I did one game jam before that where I worked on a 2D game and I did some animation, probably like 10 seconds worth of animation a whole weekend. Not a big, you know, game person yet, but after I saw Unity, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like Premiere. I'll just jump in and uh, instead of editing video, I'm going to edit my games to life. I knew it would be a little more complex than that, but uh, yeah, I really stacked the deck by jumping into VR and <laughs> 3D and VR yeah. out of the gate. You know, Unity kind of <laughs> seduces you because it makes everything look so easy. Like, oh yeah, you can do this, you can do, and you can do 3D and you can do v- VR, but when you get into the grit of development, then you start to see like, oh, wait a minute, you know? So um, tell us about what you learned on those projects, what to do, what not to do, what really, what were the landmines you stepped on that blew your legs off and then, you know, you <laughs> crawled to the finish line? I don't know, I think every VR project going forward blew off a limb and I just kept going, you know, and at the end, before I threw in the towel with VR, at least for the time being, I was crawling with one pinky on one arm. <laughs> didn't have a, didn't have a head or any legs, just one arm. So what were those things? Uh, let's see. Well, I guess one of the things I learned was, I mean, your team is so important, and I put pulled my team together for this VR jam, and it was like a three week jam, but I've never done one that long before, so I was like, okay, I'll spread out the work. We'd meet every couple days. I found a programmer on Craigslist. He seemed like a cool guy. He was. He had a little dog named Ragamuffin. Uh, I got this other artist that I work with at some of the other game jams. He was a good artist and he knew how to work with Unity. And basically I was making a, it was a solitary confinement simulator. So we made a replica of Pelican Bay uh, single housing unit called The Shoe. It was called Soul of the Shoe was the name of our demo. And um, yeah, it went down to the wire. So that last weekend, there we are working away. And what I discovered was like, I didn't know shit and I really realized it near the end. So you were doing project management, right? Where you were managing the project, so you were the designer and the was, manager. Yeah, and I was writing, I wrote, uh, there was a narrative involved in this story um, where you learn about the character who's in the prison cell by basically you are him and you're looking through his stuff. 
and that's how you kind of so I create over like 50 original documents that would go into the cell uh, pictures and I'd have I wrote letters and then I had other people write them in their handwriting blah 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 so I was like project management and also uh, narrative designer blah 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 I don't know I guess game designer it wasn't really a game though it was more of an experience so were the communication lapses between you and the team is that what happened or what were the things that like for what we were working with I think we actually did a pretty good job staying in contact do you want to wait until that thing's gone? That should be fine. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, I think we kept a pretty good beat on like what needed to get done. It's just we're in a new territory here with VR, and none of them had really experience. That was how I got the programmer on, because I was like, I got this DK headset. You can play with it if you join my team, and you know we, we were gonna pay him, but it's like basically I think he signed on because of the technology. So were they technical caveats? So there were technical things that had to do with virtual reality that like... Yeah, and it always comes down to the same thing for me at least. Uh, you know, sound is a, a, a big one, but I was able to do... I did a lot of the sound work myself. We didn't have a sound department. <laughs> so the thing was optimization, you know, and uh, as anyone sees Unity knows, like no matter if you're making a VR game or a 2D game, optimization is like, it's you're really like the main task that takes over that you never saw coming that you have to do right. So you were getting things working, but then they were too slow, they were lagging, it was it was just too heavy? Yeah, and we actually got a decent working prototype together in the amount of time, but it, was, it wasn't so laggy. It was just the pipeline. We had to figure out the pipeline on the fly because we didn't really start importing. Here's the biggest thing I learned, the caveat from that one is don't wait to set up your pipeline until the weekend you got to deliver the demo. Um, I know it sounds obvious, but you know, we're new newbies here, at least I am, and uh, we were building the set, but it was like, it was such an intensive process that by the time we got the set built, and then we got it textured, and we got it painted, now we're bringing in documents, and I'm trying to put all these things on the wall, things are glitching out like crazy. But the thing I sense too, and you know, we're here in Silicon Valley, and you very much have like that entrepreneur spirit, so there's like a fine line, it's like, okay, go slow, plan, iterate, plan, then there's the other side, rush forward, put it together, throw it down, right? Isn't that kind of the attitude here? Totally. So it's like, it's a fine line though, because you want a little bit of both. But if one yeah. starts taking over, then you kind of, so you're saying like, maybe slow down on the push, maybe iterate, work on the workflow, then push, because yeah, it you, is good to have that spirit to push forward. Yeah, you got to have that fearlessness if you're doing anything on the cutting edge technology, because oh, there's not a lot of documentation sometimes. You're kind of like, you know, uh, the canary in the coal mine you're kind of figuring it out as you go but also good principles apply the th problem is i didn't have any knowledge of game principles like i read a few books i think you told me some watch out for this and that but it was like you know loose and fast rules and you're trying to remember everything on no sleep you know the long story short of it is that we worked that whole weekend and we uploaded it right before midnight which was a deadline and it got in and we got we got these t-shirts i still have my blue t-shirt is that game still online somewhere no, it was on the Oculus uh, Share site, and then it got taken down, I believe. Okay, we'll post a link to a trailer. There's got to be something for it online, right? Yeah, yeah. Something. There's actually uh, this really crappy trailer we made just as to show a proof of concept. It doesn't show any of like the great stuff that we put into it. Actually, I wish I had something to document. Okay, it. but we'll put we'll put some yeah. There's stuff something in the there. So when you're listening to this, you want to check out what you were working on, what you did. Um, so would any I should part put an archive together of all the documents because it actually was a cool little set and story you yeah can read about how this guy got locked away and shit so when you talked about like the workflow and the optimization would any of that be that maybe the people that were doing the technical stuff on your team weren't totally honest or 
were afraid to tell you that things weren't going to work or not working? Did they not know? Did they not care? Well, the artist, he wasn't a great communicator. Or the programmers, whoever, you know, the whoever was... The programmer, he was pretty good because he was, he was just trying to figure out the SDK as we were building the system. He never worked with it before. So we were all just like very new to this platform. Um, and we were having fun putting on the headset, but I mean, it's time consuming when you can't just look at your screen. You know, it's not like a, any other type of game. With a VR headset, you gotta like go into a different mode. You gotta go to play mode. You gotta put the headset on. Then everyone's gotta put the headset on. It the iterative for, process is very slow and yeah, arduous. So it's, it's, it's like time consuming and a pain to go through it. So your your gut thing is just you want to skip it, right? Because it's like I don't want to do this again. Right, and you can't tell from looking at the screen. Even when you you have an idea, but you can't tell how big something looks in there. With VR, it's a whole different animal, and it's like and back then it was like the earliest days. Um, like I said, it was really slow and painful. I hope you're gonna edit out some of these boring parts where I'm just like blobbing. No, around. man. So this is all good. It's real life. So you do that one over again. You work out the workflow sooner, ahead of time. Like, how do we preview? How do we preview builds? Like, optimize. From, you hear a lot like. People say, you know, optimization by default, but work out the optimizations early, you know, kind of just try to get your 60 or do you need 60 or 120 frames per second for that uh, stuff? Back then, I think it was like 90. 90, okay. But now you're aiming for 120 on VR, I So whatever your target frame rate is, um, try to, you know, work that out ahead of time. Do test scenes where you put everything in there. Hey, are we there? Yeah. Yes, cool. Are we not? Optimize. It's like we had all the ingredients and then we didn't like cook it all together until the very end and we threw it onto a pot turn up the fire which was the time and you know we had this the guy's dog the reason I mentioned the guy's dog is because uh, the bird my sister had a bird in that office we were working at and you know he was like the special bird to her he was great but I guess the cage was broken and the, that dog it was like ragamuffin he was like not a friendly dog and he's a terrier breed which they'll do anything to, to get the prey and he wouldn't stop leaving that bird alone all weekend he's like we had to listen to that bird, and we're like, shut up, bird, shut up, you know, stop it, dog. And at the very end, it was, like, so messed up, but my artist says, oh, I think you got to come out here. And I see, I knew what happened. I see the cage, it's open, and then I see a shadow, it's a dead bird. Like, the poor bird, it wasn't, like, ripped apart. It was just crushed, and it wasn't breathing, and so that dog, the programmer's dog, ate my sister's bird essentially and I had to wrap it up it was just a tough weekend I was like near tears as I wrapped it up in newspaper put so it in the freezer was and there then... a parallel, parallel between the bird and the game oh I would say that that's <laughs> you know now you're starting to connect the dots here pal <laughs> so <all laughs> it right. was actually the perfect motif you know it was like so I know we talked about this before because I said if I started over again I wouldn't have started with 3d I would have started with 2d so how would you have started again if you were gonna well, I mean, part of the reason I jumped in was because I was so pumped about VR and about creating worlds, and I still am into effect. It's just that it's going to be a while till I get back to that stage. Because what are you going to do now? What are you going to work on next? Now I'm just taking it back to, like, I'm a story person, filmmaker, and I want to tell stories, and that's why I wanted to get into VR. So now I'm just starting with a simple 2D game, and it's going to be very low-res, 8-bit, you know, 16-bitty graphics. Uh, so I won't have to worry about optimization to that level. It's just about experience, story, and I'm able to use all the elements I want, like music, sound effects, uh, pacing, characters. Those are the, the core, key components to anything when you're telling the story. So this is going to allow me to just to focus on those, more like my old filmmaking days, which, you know, 
I think that that's where it's all going as far as, for me, I want to get back to, into VR eventually because, but the way I see it is if I master these tools starting slower, I'm going to be able to like, you know, they're going to get better. And so by the time I get back into, okay, now it's time to do a VR experience, the tools will be better, the hardware will be faster, you know, and then I'll be, I'll be a better uh, game maker. So hopefully those things come together and it won't be such a nightmare. Yeah, because the way I felt about that was that like, I got into 3D because I was like, oh, there's all these 2D games. I'll do 3D. I have an advantage. It makes me more unique, right? Right. But then the thing I did is that I underestimated all of the skills and experience required just to make a game, period, regardless of the medium. And so when you're doing 3D, it's like you're trying to learn all those game things and all the stuff about game economies and game design plus three dimensions, X, Y, Z of Raycast and all this stuff. So it's just like, it's too much. So if I were going to do it again, I would do the simplest possible game so I could work on game design and everything that has to do with games and not worry so much about the technology. And then once you've got experience with that, then start adding on the technical hurdles, you know, make it more complex. Right. I think it's just too much. You're it's so too- right. That's a smart way to do it. You know, like I didn't do that, but if I were to do it again, that's what I would do. You know what? You can't own these decisions until you emotionally own the pain that goes with them. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's like a chicken and egg thing. The thing is you can save yourself a lot of headaches if you just start small and it's not like there's anything revolutionary. Every blog you read about, oh, uh, postmortems and stuff, it's going to be like, don't worry about scope. Just focus on smaller experiences that you can actually finish. And, I mean, I think that's what is cool about game jams is that it makes you uh, condense your scope and your vision and your features and just go, what's the core here? And let's do something. And you a lot of game good games come out of game jams if someone finds something that's good there but it just forces you to like focus and that's what people need like all these tools are great but you can get sucked into a, a warp they seduce you it's like look how easy it is come do this yeah look at these graphics and then before you know it your game's broken and it's running slow and you're like why did i do this you know yeah so. they're the neon signs on the road to like glory just stay on the road don't go into any of the side quests and just stay on the stuff. All those tools will be there. But it's amazing what you can do with a sound effect and a few pixels. You know, there's a game that came out from Jason Rohrer. I think it was like 10 years ago. It was called Passage. And it was a very pixelated, simple game. It has this great music. And I think it was only like a five-minute experience. But you would go through your whole life. You could choose to get riches or be with your wife. Um, and I don't know if anybody hasn't seen that game, maybe check it out. It's about, it shows the exercise of simplicity and focus that has an emotional core that will actually hit you. And you're like, wait, this game is like, I've never heard of it. It's very simple. It's very small, you know, but that's a good way to start out. Like that's the kind yeah, of like, we you know, the, for. I was thinking about it and like how unity advertises to people like us that had no experience. Like you can make games, look at these graphics, look at all this fancy stuff, right? Because, like, most of the people will never, ever try to ship a real game. They'll just play around with it. So, for them, it's, you know, it's kind of designed to just seduce you and, like, look how, you know, easy everything is. It's kind of like, you know, but the real core is game design, you know, which has nothing to do with the graphics and, like, all this stuff. And I kind of was just thinking about it, and it's kind of like you want to learn martial arts, right? And then Unity is like, learn how to do a double, triple, tornado, quadruple spin <laughs> kick, right? Right. But then... The real thing is just like, no, practice this one simple kick a thousand times before yep. you even try to attempt that, right? But Unity's like, nah, come on, spinning kicks, backflips, you know? And it's like, dude, I don't even know how to balance myself yet. <laughs> so you have to, like, work on the basic stuff first. And it's like a lot of the game design books, as I'm sure you read too, 
it's not like sexy, but it's like build your game on paper first. Build a tabletop version of your game. And you know, for me, I was like, I don't want to, that's boring. I don't want to do that. Like paper, like what? Yeah, and then, I've been working with paper since I was a kid. I want to get you know, some serious and then shit. You, you have those experiences where the games are painful and arduous, and you're like, now I, you know, I went back to paper. I'm like, nah, they're right. Like, work it out there before there's any computer or code or anything. Right. Because it's 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 about simplification, and when you're just with the paper there, you're not going to be able to like. Well, first of all, you can't go like browsing, and for... it won't crash, or like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's no browser tabs. And on you're it. not like, oh, well, let me go. I had this cool idea. You know what? Let me take a break, and I'm going to go look on the asset section, and then see. That's the other thing. People, in a way, Unity is great. It's a, you know, I'm using it. People are have made amazing things with it. It's enabled a whole new class of people to get into games and. But at the same time, you know, they've got a great little situation going on there because they're selling like all the, you know, they're they're selling the, the pickaxes to the miners. Uh, you get the, the program, it's free, yeah. But then you discover the asset store and now you can really make amazing things. Oh wait, you'll find out later that a lot of those assets aren't supported and they break after maybe a few months or they don't work with the new upgraded Unity because there's just a, a whole slew of things that can go wrong. Plus, it just makes you, I mean, I love the asset store when you use it correctly, but it can also be a, a dark pit of, uh, you know, false gods. Yeah, and every time you bring one of those, I mean, I spent a lot of money on the asset store, too. I've learned my lessons, though. You have to really think about using any of those because, like you say, they get deprecated or they get old, they don't keep up to date, you may throw up these errors, and you're like, what is this? And sometimes a lot of them are not open source, right. so that you can't even see what's happening, but... It's kind of thing, yeah, over-scoping, over-scoping. That's the thing that you just have to um, not do when you're working with Unity because it just screams, like, add a climbing system, add this, add that, you know, and it's so... Yeah, and you know what? I mean, you're exactly... Like, the thing is, life in art, like, the pursuit of art, an artist's journey, is about... It's about warding off distractions. You know, the only people... The only time I ever got shit done is when I was obsessed or had a deadline or both. You know, that's the only thing that ever got me to get across the finish line on any project. And finishing is the most important thing, you know. That's boring advice your father probably told you, you know, your teacher probably told you, but it's the truest shit you'll ever hear. And I think one of the good things, so we don't get down on ourselves with our projects, like there's this MMA coach, I think a bunch of them say it, and they say, you win or you learn. So there are no losses. Like, any project you go through, you learn something. So that's don't what look losers say. <laughs> so don't look at them like losses. It's just, hey, man. As long as you can live to try again, you didn't lose any, you learned. And hopefully, don't do it again. And then, you know, there's that saying, they say, really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. Smart people learn from their own mistakes. Stupid people never learn. So it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a good read the articles, try to learn from other people's, but I'm stubborn. I have to learn from my own a lot of the time yeah. or I'm not that smart. So, but it's just a thing, you learn. So it's like, go out there as long as you don't like, put yourself into debt and lose your house because you gambled it all in this game yeah you know just stay within your means be ambitious try you know if it doesn't work out all right it was a learning experience take that don't do it again you know change your your the your workflow and just but um yeah no that's that's exactly right like you you gotta adapt the thing is you can't like people have delusions of grandeur sometimes they see all these these people they have no idea what's behind like games they've seen like oh these are indie games well it's kind of like the indie film scene the, yeah those were indie films but they, they had producers and all this money and they had professionals yeah. working yeah. on it same with a lot of these games that look like so good you're like oh this is amazing well 
someone probably working on that game, maybe it is the one-man team, but that one guy was probably a badass artist or badass programmer or badass 3D modeler. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means be realistic with your skills and focus on the experience other than the graphics. Because, I mean, I don't care what game I'm playing. It's beautiful. Like, God of War was a really cool game I liked last year because it felt so organic and I liked, I don't know, the asymmetrical story, the way that it kind of was unexpected. It was like a movie experience. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Oh, you were just saying to focus on the gameplay. So it's like, yeah. we take it for granted though, because we're like, those games look so cool, but it's like, yeah, man, but they worked on their core gameplay for a long time before yeah. they even added any graphics. And that's where I was going. I see, I always started thinking about that game. I was back in that world. That's how beautiful it was. But we see the graphics. We can't see the gameplay. So we just, sometimes, you know, people will discount it. But the thing that I've been doing is going back. I think I was talking about in a previous podcast that I went and downloaded a bunch of Nintendo Power magazines mm -hmm. and was looking at those old games because they're very simple and just focusing on the simple stuff because that's what matters, you know, not the particles and the dude's cape that whips in the wind and like all this stuff because that's Coats. that's the stuff that gets us excited. We're like, oh man, I want to do that. And then you're like, wait, why am I doing this? Like, what's my gameplay? Like, what's my core loop? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and you know what? It's crazy to think when you look at those old magazines, I mean, I was a big Nintendo guy. That's what's, that's kind of what I'm basing my new game on. It's like I'm going back to my roots. When I was a kid, sitting in my room, you know, hanging on to my controller for life, playing those 8-bit games, they meant a lot to me. And I still, like, have those nostalgic experiences that kind of burn more deep than even any of these new ones do. Uh, I think it's a testament to, like, how much creativity can come out of a limited palette set or a limited pixel set, how much processing power you have. Look at the shit they pulled off just with the NES. Yeah. Or even before that, like, you know, the Commodore or the Atari, like, they got really creative. I mean, yeah, the box art made it look like a some awesome, like, you know. Except Atari box art was pretty bad. Well, uh, some of their stuff looked like <laughs> Da Vinci painted it, you know. It was like the He-Man toys had this awesome box art, too. Yeah. Like, it was epic. Uh, but going back to my earlier point, what I was going to say about God of War is that I love the game. It looks amazing. But after a while, I was into the gameplay. And the graphics kind of, like... I don't know, you ever get this thing where like you're playing a game that looks great, but then you're into the gameplay and what's going on, you're paying attention to everything else. Almost like the graphics disappear in a way. You're, like they're there, you see it, it's once in a while you see a vista, you come around a corner, oh wow, that's beautiful. But most of the time, once you get past that, after the initial like Red Dead Redemption, you're playing the game, you're like, oh look at this, it's beautiful. But after a while you're just okay now I'm looking around for foxes, is there anybody can kill, anybody You know can... what it's like since Jacob and I are both married, like the graphics are like the infatuation at the beginning of a relationship. And then the gameplay is like the everyday life, normal stuff that you, hopefully is enjoyable. Right. You know, because if you're just like, the sexiness, this woman is so, ah, and you're all into that. And then, you know, eventually you're like, okay, real life, back to real life. And then it's like... Dude, it's so true. That's a great analogy. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's so true. <laughs> like the honeymoon's over. The graphics are the honeymoon. Yep. And then the gameplay is like... That's what Every keeps day. you around. Yeah. That's so. what makes the relationship work between you and the game or you and your wife. So pick the right cartridge, kids. And think about this, because this is what I've done. A lot of people do this. You get this awesome idea for this new game. You meet this awesome new person, right? Same thing. And then you start working on it. And then at first you're all infatuated, like, oh, this is amazing. And then reality sets in, like, oh, there's a lot of hard work that needs to go into this now. Oh, this person, we had an argument, there's difficulty. And then the people that leave the project to start a new one or leave the relationship to start a new one. Right. You know, rather than like, do I really love this idea? Do I really love this person? If yes, I'm going to go through the struggles to make it, you know? And sometimes I, we stay in bad 
game design relationships or bad relationships, period. You know, like, sometimes projects throw up red flags just like relationships do. Yeah, so think about that. Like, are you in love with the idea or the reality of the idea? Like, yeah. the concept? Are you in love? Because, like, if you're in a relationship like that that's horrible, but you're in love with the idea of the relationship, you should probably leave it your game. If you don't really enjoy it anymore, you know, but you're just in love with the idea, so. Totally, substance over style, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all love style. That's what catches our attention. But the substance is what keeps us there. So the, the substance is after the honeymoon, right? <laughs> yeah. like, Damn, the, the analogy's so good. You gotta like put a tweet out. Everyday that. life, like right? Shit. Just like <laughs> having dinner together and talking and like doing stuff, going on hikes, whatever. The, yeah. the boring stuff, you know, not the sexy stuff, but the boring stuff can be awesome if. Yeah, and you never really see that. Like when you're younger, you're just like about flash and fun and the sexiness, the attractiveness, the way the person looks. But it's really that underlying personality that keeps you there. Like, you know, this person gonna bore me or like, not like they're almost gonna entertain you, but like they could be just an empty parcel, <laughs> you know? Like there's nothing there. Yeah. They could look great. I mean, you could be, if you were married to the prettiest girl in the world, prettiest guy in the world, whatever, your choice. You know, like after a few weeks, you don't see that anymore, like the way you saw. Like the first if they time. were just stupid and boring, you'd just be like, "Yeah, they're really pretty, but fuck, they're boring." <laughs> yeah. I'm not, you know, like this game, like this game looks really cool, but fuck, the mechanics are awful. You know, like it's kind of the same thing, and it's like I can't even do anything. Like I can't even talk to them. You, you know, know like, what? I think games even reveal themselves faster in that way. That if you play a bunk game you don't like, and the, you don't like the mechanics. Uh, I think people just tune out a lot faster. Yeah, and one thing I thought of when you were talking about the indie film thing and, you know, not seeing how things really were, um, one of the reasons I want to do this podcast and call it Grit is just, like, the real game-making design is dirty work. You get your hands dirty. It's tough. It's grueling. And what I want to talk about is, like, and, you know, what I've been trying to do in these is for people to talk about the hardships and the, quote, failures. I mean, they're not failures. They're learning experiences. Because when all you see are successes... Like when you watch Indie Game the movie or something and like, oh, these guys had some drama they argued about or they were acting like prima donnas. Like, any guy, we didn't go in the Microsoft store. Like, that's not a real hardship. Like, people need to see the real hardships. Like, were there any, like, you know, months straight of like 15-hour, 30-hour work days and crashes and rebuilding struggles? Like, that's what people need to know. I know, but who would want to watch that movie? Well, nobody. <laughs> that's like pretty much, I mean, it's the worst thing but, possible. Like, it's like being in a bad relationship where you can't get out and you're stuck. And not that we're going to keep going on that motif, but uh, that metaphor. The thing is that it's hard-ass work and grit is the perfect way to, to But like, the thing is, thing. So, so like Unity is selling the sexiness of game development. They're not going to show you that grit. They're not going to show you that dirty work because they want you to be like, Oh, cool, I can make games and do this, right? If they showed you the real grit, people would run away and be like, oh, right. no. But, you know, it's a it's a slippery thing because it's like, yeah, it is exciting, and it is, you know, but it's also to do big things and real things. It's dirty and hard and a grind. Yeah. And it's just like when you're, I don't know, when I want to make movies, and then I was like, why did I do this to myself when I've been up for three days straight and I'm on set and I can barely stand? And you're like, I put myself in this position so I don't have anybody else to blame. Like, this is what I wanted, you know? But you didn't know what you're getting, um, and then you're like, okay, this is why this shit is so hard, because these are the moments when it's not glory. Like the glory, even when it comes like later in life, that stuff doesn't really matter. Like, it's you know what, having little mini breakthroughs is kind of like 
the juice that keeps me going these days. It's just small little breakthroughs like with ideas or to get something to work in Unity. Uh, uh, when I started out with this stuff, it was, I don't know, it's tough. You know, you, you put in days of work and what I think that you gotta be prepared for if you're getting a game development, I guess I was a little older, so I feel like younger minds are more adept at like, I don't know, maybe the thing's true about when you're younger, your mind's more nimble and you're able to adapt better. Um, or maybe you're just more fearless. I don't know what it is, or you're just stupid. But the thing is, is that when I, younger learning software, it seemed easier. And maybe it's just the software is harder than when I'm learning this 3D stuff. But it seems like the key is, you're gonna find out there's a lot of uncertainty if you're getting into game design. And well, the thing I had to get that was the hardest for me, and I'm still struggling with it, is getting comfortable being uncomfortable because, you know, there's so many things to learn really quickly. For me, I was like, wow, I don't know anything about this stuff. Like, I know, I played games I thought I knew. I don't know shit about all these different disciplines that come into play here. And you gotta be okay with being a dumbass. And I think that's the sign of a real, a lot of successful people, the thing they say is you got to be okay feeling stupid. And if you're around people that know game design, you're going to feel stupid all the time. And, and that's okay. Just, you know, don't don't sign up for more than you can buy it and, off. Or maybe you don't even have to know everything or about that stuff. It's just like if you know what you want and what you want to make, just go make it. If it's that thing that's fun for you, yeah. you know, and you know that thing. So, like, if there's a type of game you really like, like, okay, I know this. I know how to do this. Like, for me, like... Mega Man controls or something like I know this I know how to do this okay I did this in my game I like this and then you know slowly you get to learn more of that stuff through experience but um, yeah yeah and when you're in that mode of like oh I gotta I gotta learn this I gotta do that it's like <sighs> I think when we get older we just have less patience like when we're younger we'll be like yeah I'll spend a week like 15 hours a day grinding on this thing because this is just what I'm all about you know, but then as you get older, it's like, I got to do this, I got to do that. So you look at the time and you're like, I don't have time for this. Like, yeah. ah, I can't sit here for 15 hours. Plus, you're, you're, you know, when you're older, your life is running out faster. <laughs> so you're like, hey, I got to speed this shit up, you know? Like, I can't be uh, learning about collision boxes for like three days straight. I got to like step it up here, man. I'm going to be dead soon. Yeah, we're looking for the efficiency. How can I do this faster? How can I find, can, you know, and then if you have the resources, like, can I just hire someone to do this? You know, should I really be doing this? Right. Because that's a lot what I do now. It's just like, is this something that only I can do and no one else can do? If yes, okay, I do it. If no, find someone else to do it. Hire someone if possible. Totally. You know? And, th and that also gives... Or buy an asset. Like, buy an asset or give someone else an opportunity. Yeah. You know, because uh, when I work with designers and stuff, I give them ideas and I'm like, in my mind when I give it to them, I don't say this, but I'm like... God, I hope they just do what I said. But then I'm pleasantly surprised when they, not always, but a lot of times when they give me something that's not exactly what I wanted, but it's like, there's so much nuance in like uh, the details of, of the, the art asset or the way you want this programming to work. And then they do it better than you imagined. That's awesome. And that's where the collaboration comes yeah. in, you know? And games are hard. Start off by yourself so you can learn enough to, to be dangerous and then, you know, bring on some people that have the same passion and vision as you. You know, we see it all the time. Small teams can deliver in a big way. If you manage your resources, time, money, and you kick ass. Like, you don't fuck around. Don't overscope. Don't keep, over a, keep a focus. Um, so, to finish up this, this episode. All right. So, you jumped in 3D, VR, technicalities, optimization. Ah. All right. Now, you're going back. 2D, 
how are you going to do this one different? How are you going to do your pre-production? How are you planning? How are you going to draw your maps? Just give us a general overview of how you're planning to do this game differently from the other ones. Well, on your recommendation, I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to start putting all my assets into Artisty Draft. Yeah. Which is, um, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's basically, I'm sure some of you have heard of it. It's a way to organize your world, so to speak. You can organize assets, and those it actually works plug and play with Unity. I think some other game software, so you can bring in your assets once you've done all that. So I'm making a complex story game. Uh, with it's on an island. There's a lot of assets. There's a lot of uh, characters and um, elements, things you can find, items. What I'm going to do is I'm going to organize it all pretty much in paper. Like I'm kind of treating it like a film. I would, <clears throat> uh, you know, about 50 scenes, index card system. Then I'm, I'm starting on paper with that, and then I'm going to put those into Artist Draft, and I'm going to. Uh, bring it into the game engine and I, I'm approaching it in a way where I'm not trying to, to get it all polished out of the gate I'm thinking about everything and I want to work on everything equally I'm trying to do this on a lot of it on my own like I will bring in other people probably for some sound work and for some animation and some background asset stuff but I'm doing it a lot of my own so I can slow down and think about what do I need next what do I need next so much more pragmatic before, I was always under these time deadlines that were self-imposed sometimes, and they weren't helpful in a large respect because I would just cut corners, and at the end of the day, like, I guess it depends on what your goal is. My goal is, I actually, after playing around with this shit for years, I want to ship a game, you know, uh, sell one copy to someone, like, that would be, like, that's my dream now, is just make a game, make it good enough someone gives me some real money for it that I don't know, not my mom. <laughs> Not dad buying it on uh, on Steam, and then just make a game that's good enough someone bought. And that's and if you're working on, on different goals, like hey, I got this game jam, we got a time limit. Well, then you, that's going to affect how you approach the project. But for me, where I'm at, I'm just trying to make a product that I think is worthy of going on, uh, you know, digital store shelves. So I'm going to take my time. I'm going to have some deadlines. I'm going to have some milestones set up, and uh, I'll probably be like you know hitting you up a lot for some help <laughs> yeah or also the discord for the game dev grit podcast we have a little handful of developers in there now and we're i saw that you no know, that's one of the reasons i wanted to make this podcast for my selfish reasons for my own selfish because i'm like how do i do this hey guys how are you guys doing this but you know i want to have it like a little resource pool so you can go in there it's not too big it's a little thing it's focused it's just yeah. developers so it's cool i like it it seems like people are you know, sharing cool stuff in there i saw like the dark souls map yeah you know, because a few years ago like the grit the low level game design i'm telling you there's like nothing out there and and just in my experience so far that's the hardest part or that's what makes or breaks your game so best of luck to you jacob and now we got you on the podcast we're gonna have to have you come back and give an update at some point or yeah. multiple points to share the progress of the game i love that let's do a check-in in like six months at the end yeah. of the year see so, where i'm at with my game and uh if i've been twiddling my thumbs or i've been putting the fingers on the keyboard you know yeah cool hey. well this was our first real life um podcast hopefully it doesn't sound too terrible yeah we um, didn't get mugged down here it's nice down no, here not yet <laughs> <laughs> it's nice thanks for having me Mike. all right bye